stating the obvious. Let me start by stating the obvious. People like to travel at this uh, time of year, or more precisely, uh, people like to travel to be with family at uh, this time of year. Isn't that true? In fact, all you need to do is you need to look at the empty seats around you at LCPC this morning to, to know that people like to be with kin at Christmas. Well, that desire... Uh, of course, it's not something new, is it? It's not like Christmas trees, Christmas lights, and elves on shelves, and so forth. It's something new, it's not a modern invention. As you've seen already from your reading this morning, travel, and travel to be with family, it's always kind of been something popular at Christmas. So this is what we're going to do this morning. What we're going to do is we're going to examine this family get-together that we've got in Luke chapter 1, this encounter between the cousins, Mary and Elizabeth. We're going to look at that, and we're going to consider what that tells you and me about how we should respond to our God at this time of year. We're going to think this morning about responses to God at Christmas. That's the plan. That's what's laid out before you. But you know this? I'm eager. I'm keen that we get into God's Word. We get right to the text this morning. So would you see with me, first of all, there should be joy at Christmas time. There should be joy at Christmas time. Okay. So Luke 1. Come on, people. What are we dealing with here? Well, as I look around, most of you were here last week, yes, most of you were here last week, so you know what's happening. Last time out, Mary had just heard the most dramatic news, hadn't she? The angel Gabriel's appeared to her and declared, not only is she, remember, a virgin, not only is she going to bear a child, but what else is it? (laughs) Because of the work of the Holy Spirit of God, this child that she's going to bear is going to be... The very Son of Almighty God. Okay, so pretty dramatic news in the background here. But if you were here, maybe you remember what I said at the end of the service last week. Remember I spoke about God's reassuring grace. Does that ring any bells? Reassuring grace. That in order to assure Mary that this was going to come at pass, what did God do? God told her that her elderly cousin, this woman Elizabeth, that she too had conceived. She too was with child, okay, to confirm, to assure her. Now, despite the fact that that time reference in verse 39 is reasonably vague, do you see it, how this section begins in verse 39? Do you see how vague it is? It says, in those days. Now, despite the fact that it's a little bit vague, if you do the maths, or the math as our American friends might say to us, if you do the math, then what becomes quite clear is that almost immediately when this angel leaves, almost straight away, what does Mary do? The angel tells her this stuff, the angel leaves, straight away, she gets up. And she leaves, she departs on what was maybe about an 80 mile journey to go and see Elizabeth. Now, here's where I want you to be on the ball and with me here. I ask you, why does she do it? Why does Mary go and see Elizabeth? How would you answer that? Come on. Would you say, well the angels told her to do that. The angel didn't tell her to go and visit Elizabeth. 
would you say, she goes to Elizabeth because she wants to clasp eyes of pregnancy. She wants to see for herself that this older woman is pregnant in order to believe what the angels told her. Do you think it's that? It's not that either. I mean, this text makes Mary's faith abundantly clear here. It's not that. Can I tell you what I think? I think what Mary does here, she goes to Elizabeth, why? Because she is desperate to revel with Elizabeth in what God is doing in their lives. Do you see it? Like she goes to Elizabeth, she makes this journey, an unheard of journey surely for a, a woman by herself in the ancient world. She goes because she's desperate to share with Elizabeth in the miraculous working that God is doing in their life. She wants to share, she wants to, to speak to Elizabeth and revel with Elizabeth, her cousin, in this great work of God. Now when you see it like that, can't you picture how, how happy they must have been when they met? what you think so can you sort of imagine the scene with me for a second here and imagine that Mary is weary she walks 80 miles and knocks on Elizabeth's door you know and the door opens and there's Elizabeth and whoa you know she's looking a bit big for this stage as well and you can see it they're just smiling at the embrace and there's tears of joy isn't there? You imagine the moment, and, and such is the happiness. What happens? Not only does Elizabeth just spontaneously erupt into praise, what else happens? Even the little baby within her jumps for joy at this moment. Isn't it just, isn't it just such a delightful scene that we've got here? Actually, I think I've got to be careful. Maybe I've got to be careful here. Because maybe it is this morning that you're a little bit sceptical about that detail that I just mentioned, are you? That detail of the baby jumping with joy in the womb. Lots of people are sceptical about that, aren't they? They say that, well, this is actually reasonably common phenomena. You know, a baby in neutral, when a, a mother displays emotion, the baby's going to move. It's a fairly common thing. But do you see, that's not all this is. I mean, think about it with me. This little detail here has been prophesied. Hasn't it? What did we read last week in verse 15? What was it? That this little baby in Elizabeth's womb, that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Do you see what this is, this scene before you? It's joy. It's joy for everyone. Joy for Elizabeth. Joy for joy even for John the Baptist. This is the most beautiful scene of mutual support, fellowship, love, and rejoicing. Don't you love it? Now, is there anything in this for, for us, for you and me? How do we apply this? In a couple of directions, I think. Surely this is true. Follow this. Surely, if anything, the blessing of Christian fellowship is being underlined for us in Luke chapter 1. Isn't it? You see that, do you? Surely what is happening here is that you are being reminded by God in this scene that communion amongst the saints is a precious thing. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing for Christians to share in God's goodness, isn't it? But isn't that something that you and I as Christians can ignore 
all the time. We're so busy, aren't we? Living as we do in London, it's just so hectic. This time of year is so busy. We can focus on so many different areas of our lives. We can focus on so many other different areas and expressions of our Christian faith. What happens? We miss this. We miss the importance. We miss the significance of communion and fellowship, of spending proper time, proper time with our spiritual relations. We, friends, at London City Presbyterian Church, we need to take that priority into 2018. Because as this year ends, what does God show us? He shows us the blessing of fellowship amongst the saints. But then, I think more than that, here we go, I think surely there is a lesson about joy. Because, hang on a second here, answer me this. Would you do this? Would you answer me... Why are these women so happy? Like, I'm saying they're happy. But why are they happy? Why are they happy? Like, is it just, oh, we haven't seen each other in ages. Come away in for a cup of tea. I haven't seen you, Mary. Is that the sort of atmosphere here? Is it just an opportunity? What is this? Do you see? This is gospel gladness. Isn't it gospel gladness? Yes, these women are rejoicing together, but what are they doing? They're rejoicing in God. That what has brought them significant joy, significant happiness, is the redemptive work God is doing before their very eyes. And maybe that is important to hear this morning. Because maybe it is that with Christmas, you are at the end of your tether. Is that how, just looking back in 2017? And it has just been the most miserable year of your life. And you're sick. And you're frustrated this morning. Look at this. What are we learning? What do I always say from the pulpit? Joy for you is found in Jesus Christ. Gladness is found in the gospel of God. Surely we see that at Christmas. Surely we see it with Mary and Elizabeth. There can be, there should be, if you're a believer, joy at Christmas. Second thing, though, we see is humility at Christmas. Joy! But humility. Now, over a, uh, yeah, a couple of days ago, over a cup of coffee, my dad, who was down visiting, he and I had a conversation this week make it sound like it's a rare thing it's not that unusual an occurrence but the question that we posed this time was if we had unlimited resources so this is a stretch of the imagination but if we had millions of pounds what country of the world uh, would we like to visit Okay. now my dad's answer surprised me a little bit because he said, of all the countries in the world, that he would like to visit Japan. He said that he loves the idea of a culture of uh, respect, and especially respecting elders. Maybe my father is feeling his age a little... Maybe he was making a hint to his son, actually, now that I think about it. That's just occurred to me. Now, what we must understand at this very point is that a culture of respecting elders was even more significant in the ancient world and I need you to hear that so I'll say it again a culture of respecting 
your elders was a vital part, a prominent part of the first century world, first century living. So, if you follow that, do you see what maybe should have happened when Mary comes to Elizabeth's door? Do you see how this should have worked? Do you see what I'm getting at? Elizabeth could have expected all of the attention and all of the focus and all of the limelight to be where? On her. Now think that through with me. What is she? Elizabeth is older than Mary and significant. Mary's just a young woman. Elizabeth and much older woman. Now what else is Elizabeth? She is a priest's wife. Isn't she something that demanded respect in the ancient world? And then what do we say all the time in this congregation? We always talk about how in the first century world for a woman to have children was incredibly significant, wasn't it? It was a big deal, wasn't it, in the ancient world? And what's happened here? Elizabeth, after all of this wait, and after all of these years, at last... She's with child. So you see it, don't you? What should, what could have Elizabeth expected that she would be the focus of this? That all of the attention would be on her. She would be in the limelight. And when you see that and understand that, isn't, don't you agree with this? That isn't Elizabeth's attitude here delightful and amazing? Look at verse 42 and look what Elizabeth does. You see what she does? She reverses the roles. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? The older woman is revering the younger. This is ridiculous. This is unheard of. Then look at verse 43 and remember the honor that Elizabeth was due. I'll read it. Listen to it. The older woman says, why is this granted to to me, that you, the younger woman, the mother, that you are coming to me. Do you see the point I'm making? Like the humility of this, like the modesty here is, is stunning. Really, when you take culture into view, it's stunning, breathtaking. Now this is what I want us to do. If we pick that apart as though it were a Christmas present, perhaps... Tomorrow morning, if we begin to unwrap that, I think we're taught a couple of things. You ready? First of all, you see that humility? It is prompted by God himself. You see, look at verse 41. Look at it. We are told that, yes, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and it is that filling by God that then prompts this this humility and this deference and this modesty. Do you see what I'm saying? This is a modesty, a humility, and it's 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 prompted, it's pushed out of her by the Lord of hosts. But then there's a second thing, and it's more important that you get this. This is a humility that is centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is centered on our Lord. Because I ask you this. Look at verse 42. Why why was Elizabeth so humble? Why was she so modest? Do you see it in verse 42? It is all about the child that Mary bears in her womb. It is all this modesty, this humility. It is all about Jesus. Do you, do you follow? And do you see what I'm saying? 
Like Elizabeth understands her relationship with Mary not in terms of the respect that she is due as the older woman. She understands her relationship with Mary all about how Mary stands in God and stands in Christ. And I think that is ever so important for London City Presbyterian Church. Because we do not agree with this assessment. Please hear the assessment. Humility, Christian humility, wow, that is a forgotten virtue in the church in the 21st century. Humility, vanished, gone. And maybe if you analyze it yourselves, you see what's happened. Think of our culture. Come on. This culture says, make sure you get your rights. Individual rights are everything. You know, respect. Ensure you get the respect you deserve. Ensure the spotlight is on you. Everything. Social media. All of it. Engineered. So, individual rights. Individual respect. And what's happened? Do you see it in your own heart? That has impinged upon, affected, influenced the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that should not be. So should we not do this as we go into a new year? Should we not follow this woman, this elderly woman's lead? Should we not go after her and pray to God for humility? And is that not all the more important in amongst ourselves? Because I remind you, why was Elizabeth humble before Mary? Because God was dwelling within her. Why should you be humble before the Christians in these seats? Because the same is true of them. God indwells his people. There should be joy, but there must be humility at Christmas. And thirdly, joy, humility, ready for the third one? Gratitude at Christmas. Gratitude at Christmas. The strangest kind of thing happened to me in sermon preparation this week. Quite unusual, really. Um, after I'd done most of my preparation, I'd go to the commentators and the authors and read. And do you know what happened? Everyone said the same thing. <laughs> every commentator and every author... And anyone even spoke to about this section of scripture, they all did this. They all highlighted two words in this section of scripture. I wonder if you saw what they were. I wonder if you see what they might be. Everyone, rightly in my opinion, highlighted words from verse 43. Maybe you want to look at it. Elizabeth says, do you see the two words? She says to Mary, And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She calls Jesus her Lord. Now, to understand the weight of that, did you notice she repeats the term in verse 45? I want you to consider who she's speaking about in verse 45. She says to Mary, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Who's she speaking about? She's speaking about 
She's speaking about, in verse 45, she's speaking about God. And you see, begin to see the significance of this and the consequence of this. In this section, although she cannot see it fully, she is declaring Jesus to be God. Declaring Jesus to be the Christ, the Messiah of God. Now, that is surely an insight, or it is definitely an insight by the Holy Spirit. What I want you to consider is how miraculous that sort of insight is, because you all have seen a scan photograph of a baby. Have you? Yeah, everyone's seen a scan. Some of us have probably seen it this year. Seen scan photographs of babies. They're quite amazing things. They're almost like a, an x-ray or something, aren't they? And I remember... Uh, for the first time seeing a scan photograph of a baby it was Colin when Catherine was oh I'm going to get into trouble 12 weeks 12 weeks yes got it right I saw this scan photograph of Colin do you know what my first thought was this baby looks rather big (laughs) he's a bit of a bruiser this child what a size he is and I thought that until I saw the ruler and the measurement at the top of this picture. And what did it tell me? This child, I thought, oh, fair size. He was less than two inches long. Two inches! At 12 weeks, two inches! What I want you to understand, what I want you to see and marvel at, is that at this point here, Mary most likely isn't even at... 12 weeks. I mean, she's not even at that point. Do you see how amazing this is? That through this great insight that Elizabeth receives from the Holy Spirit, through this great work of God, what does she understand? This tiny little bean. She understands this little dot, a speck in Mary's womb, this tiny little fetus, this tiny little child she sees. He is my creator. This, is, this tiny little baby is my sovereign, my God, the covenant Lord. Don't you agree? It's one of the greatest, most staggering Christological declarations you get in the Bible. This is amazing. She sees through the Holy Spirit, this little baby, he is my Lord. And as stunning as that is, I think if you're a believer, if you're a Christian this morning, surely you look at that and you nod your head. And you look at this and you, you say, yes, Lord. Because what has happened in your life as a Christian? Isn't it true that a similarly miraculous revelation has been given to you? It's staggering. We are filthy people and wretched sinners and undeserving. And yet, in mercy and by grace, what has God done for you as a Christian? He's done this. And he's lifted the veil. And he's shown you, hasn't he? He's shown you what Elizabeth could see. He's shown you the identity of the Savior of sinners. Shown you the Christ. Shown you who Jesus is. And so surely if anything is true today, Christmas, 
should be a time where we thank the living God for the gospel, that this season should be a, a time of gratitude amongst the, the saints. Shouldn't we be filled with wonder and praise? What do you know to be true, Christian friend? Just as with Elizabeth, Almighty God has told you the greatest truth there has ever been. That this tiny little baby, who was he to you? Hey, who is he? The tiny little baby. He is your Lord, isn't he? So we see joy. We see humility, we see gratitude, but lastly we see faith at Christmas. Up until now, um, if you're following the service, you see uh, what we've been doing. Really, for the main, we have been focusing on the people of God and Christians' responses to God at Christmas, right? Well, what about those who do not believe and what about those who are in here just now and who have not trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for their for their eternal salvation what about you what should be your response to almighty God this Christmas Eve this Christmas season what about your response to God well I'm hoping that you notice throughout this section of scripture that Elizabeth talks a lot about blessing. Did you notice this? She speaks, we might say, in the language of beatitudes, doesn't she? Do you notice this? She says, blessing, 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 blessing. A lot. She uses this word a lot. Now, as she ends, right at the end of your section, she uses the word blessing again. Can you see what she's saying this time. Look at verse 45. Why does she call Mary blessed? You see? She says blessed. She who believed. She is blessed because she believed. Now, can you see what Elizabeth is saying? I quite like the dynamics at this point. Because do you know what she's doing? She's saying, unlike him through there, isn't she? Where are they? They're in Zechariah's house. He's through the back, maybe doing the dishes or something, right? And Elizabeth is saying, unlike him, what has Mary done? She has believed this angelic word. She has believed in this great redemptive promise and redemptive work of God. She believed. Now that's, come on, isn't it lovely? She Mary believed, it's lovely, but you know what I find most fascinating is this tiny, tiny little detail in the text. Did you notice there's been a change of pronoun in verse 45? Have a look at it. A little change of pronoun. Up until now, what has Elizabeth said? She's been speaking to Mary and she says, blessed are you. Blessed are you, and blessed, you know, the, 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 womb of, the, the fruit of your womb, blessed are you. And from verse 42, what does she say this time? Do you see? She changes direction, doesn't she? And this time she says, not to Mary, but this time she says, of Mary, blessed is she. 
Now what I want you to consider, if you're not a Christian this morning, is who it is that Elizabeth is speaking to at that moment. Do you see who it is? In a strange sense, she's speaking to you. Isn't that it? That she's been looking at Mary, blessed are you, blessed are you, and then all of a sudden, she seems to turn and she looks down the centuries, she looks into London City Presbyterian Church, she looks you, the unbeliever, squarely in the face, she looks you in the eye, and she says, blessed is she! Blessed is she! Who believe. And if you see that, friend, this morning, perhaps you also see what it is that God is imploring you to do. What do you see? God saying to you, surely, to follow Mary's lead. Blessed is she who believed, imploring you, exhorting you also to put your trust in his redemptive work, to put your trust in Christ. And I say to you simply as we end, isn't it remarkable how straightforward salvation really is? Because what is it that God requires of you this Christmas Eve to be saved from hell and death, eternal punishment in your sin. What does God require of you? Does God require that you travel the world doing a big pilgrimage? Does God require that you engage in holy war and kill the infidel? Does God require that you give up all you have, give it all over to charity? Is that it? Listen to these words. Such is the complete work that Christ has done. Such is the full and comprehensive work that the Lord Jesus Christ has done for his people. What does God require of you? Simply that you today repent of your sin and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. It is as simple as that. And so I implore you, this morning to give her that give that some serious and urgent consideration to see here what Elizabeth could see that this little baby was a baby like none other isn't that true that this is the Lord of glory this is God's with us Emmanuel to see that and to put your trust in Jesus because I'm telling you for nothing that there would be the appropriate response to your creator this Christmas hear it friends repent and believe in Jesus let's pray Lord God we we praise you so much from the bottom of our hearts for what you have done for us Lord we thank you that um, though we do get distracted by the many areas and themes of Christmas and what society is saying to us about this time of year, we thank you that all of that comes to nothing in the end and that in the final reckoning, everyone shall bow at the name of Jesus. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And we thank you so much for grace that though we are sinners, the Holy Spirit has 
chosen a few from the nations to worship him and to know this now. We thank you for our salvation and we thank you for the cross this Christmas. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.